When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome, everyone, to the SI Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thank you for listening. Great episode this week. Two guests. First up, from CBS Sports, Greg Gumbel. Greg is entering his 50th year of broadcasting and uh, really enjoy talking to Greg. Great interview. I think you guys will like it a lot. For my wrestling fans out there, Seth Rollins follows Gumbel. And as Seth always does when he comes on this podcast, has a lot to say and stirs the pot. And we talk about WrestleMania coming up this weekend with Rollins. And then Train of Thoughts with my buddy Salicata, where we uh, read some Apple reviews and get into uh, more complaining about streaming issues. So stick around for that. So it's Greg Gumbel, Seth Rollins, Train of Thoughts all on this episode. Before we get to it, just a reminder, if you missed last week, Troy Aikman gave us his first national interview after leaving Fox for ESPN. And Troy uh, got into a lot of the backstory there. So check that out if you didn't listen to it in the archives. Other recent guests on the podcast, Chris Russo, Mike Florio, Molly Kiram. Check those out in the archives. Subscribe to the SI Media Podcast. And uh, if you could rate and review, that helps. And as you'll hear later in Train of Thoughts, I'll read some of the reviews. All right, let's get to it. Greg Gubble, followed by Seth Rollins, followed by Train of Thoughts right here on the SI Media Podcast. <laughs> All right, joining me now, first time on the SI Media Podcast, and I don't know why I waited so long to have him on, pretty ridiculous, entering his 50th season as a sports broadcaster, 50th year, quite a feat. From CBS, he's been all over your TV for the past couple of weeks with the NCAA tournament, Greg Gumbel. Greg, how are you? 
I'm good, thank you. I'm sure to most viewers, I'm feeling like a bad penny showing up all the time. And we get, I've, I've always gotten a ton of complaints about, you know, where's my program, bro? There's this stupid basketball that's on. That, that happens. Is that, Does that still go on? Oh, I guess because you're on like Thursday, Friday afternoons when you the betcha. soap operas. And the, uh. You betcha. You know, where is as the world turns or wherever the, whatever else is on at the time. And of course, I'm the one that gets the blame. Sean McManus, my boss. Um, we, we joke about it a lot, but before this merge with Turner, we were, CBS was doing all of the games and it became necessary to throw from one game to another, to another, you know, you're never going to please everyone like that. So I would get all of the complaints on my CBS voicemail and I would forward them to Sean. (laughs) (laughs) And he came into the studio one night and he said, stop doing that. Don't do that anymore. (laughs) That is, well, I mean. So I, I, as a big chunk of what I wanted to get into was the tournament and, and the how it's changed over the years. So since you started with that, we we'll, we'll might as well we'll do it now. But one quick thing, you're talking about getting the voicemails. Um, I, I need to congratulate you and and just praise you for being one of the rare smart individuals in sports media by not being on Twitter, where you would normally get those complaints. Oh. So I tip my cap to you because. I'm in the muck like everyone else, and I, I envy people like you who are not. No Twitter, no TikTok, no Instagram, no Facebook. I, you know, to me, that would be like sticking your chin out there if Will Smith was coming at you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is. It is. Uh, it's funny though that you would still get though. I guess you get crap from people on the voicemail. I mean, they still find a way to find. They still found you. Yeah, they'll, and or they'll, you know, they'll, they'll also do the old-fashioned thing of writing letters, too. And there are people out there who are just sitting there with, with pen and paper just waiting yeah. for you to say something, you know? And then yeah. it could be a mispronunciation of a name. It could be something that you said offhanded. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, you know, the tournament has evolved on television. You, you mentioned it when, when CBS sort of teamed up with Turner and how they present it now across CBS, TBS, TNT, and, and True TV. Um, and I remember, you know, I want to get into later on with you too. You, you're one of the, you were one of the first people at WFAN here in New York. And I was a, I was a huge Mike and the Mad Dog fan growing up. And my favorite Mike and the Mad Dog shows were when they would get on the air during the first two days of the tournament, and just destroy CBS for not switching the games properly. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how many people listening to this understand that there was a time where you didn't have every tournament game available to you, which now, I mean, you know, with, with sports betting being legalized would just cause complete anarchy. So how hard was it to do those shows in those days before the where you where it was CBS airing everything and having to switch the games? What kind of challenge was that back then? Well, it was it, it, the, all of the games were available, but it was a whole greater good type of thing where do most people want to see this game? The home audiences and the, the, the home markets where the teams were from were always going to get their games. Um, but there were times that we deemed it necessary that Kentucky against North Carolina is down to the final minute and a half and let's take you there to find the end of that game. But there are some people who don't, no matter what happens, they don't want to be taken away from their game and their team. So, so in that, in that, era you weren't going to please everybody but so you tried to please most in this era of course you can please everybody because everyone can find their game at some somewhere where it's on right yeah well and the problem back i mean 
If that system was going on now, okay, so you can have, you know, a one seed playing a 16 seed and the one seed is up by 30 and CBS wants to switch out of it to get you to a more competitive matchup. But if the spread is 31 or 32, people don't want you to switch out of it. So I think the sports gambling today is, you know, if that system was still in place, that's where you'd have a lot of angry people coming into the into the mix. Well, you're right, because back then you didn't, and as recently as that seems to be, you still didn't have the tools to be able to keep up with what's going on. Now you can just flip on your phone right. and, and keep up with the team that's going on. The thing, the thing that we always laughed at, uh, wasn't a laughing matter to the people involved, though. Kentucky is a prime example. Kentucky could be leading by 50 points with a minute to play in the game. Don't you dare take their video and right. their sound away right. from their game and switch it somewhere else. We'd get off. We, yeah. it, was, it was hell on wheels. So what? So doing the. This is your 24th season as the studio host for CBS. This, the way it's set up today. What's the biggest challenge for you, or most difficult aspect of doing the tournament? I think keeping up with everything that's happening at a time, especially those first two days mm. of the tournament, where there are 16 games on Thursday and 16 on Friday, and and of course, towards the end of the evening, you kind of just start getting used to who's who on what teams. And then 24 hours later, it's entirely different names yeah. and numbers and uniforms and everything else. Um, but it's a matter of keeping up. And look, it, it gets to be a little chaotic at times because you want it, they want you to do an update here and then quickly do this update over here. And and uh, I, I remember one time uh, years ago, I was uh, at, at you know, multiple cards and notes and papers in my hand and it's a voiceover. And I said, oh, let's get you back to Indianapolis. And then our producer, Eric Mann, in my ear says, uh, great, we don't have any games in Indianapolis. <laughs> so it's a, it's a feel your way through. I think everybody recognizes, at least in our business, they recognize the chaotic nature of it. Um, the, the fans, all they want is the good, clean feed of what they want to see. And back in the old days, what they wanted to see wasn't always what they got. Yeah. And then on top of the, the chaos, you have to deal with Charles Barkley now. What give me uh how how has it been for you when 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 the like like we talked about CBS teamed up with Turner to present the tournament and then Kenny Kenny Smith who I don't think gets enough credit for for what he does on in, inside the NBA with 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 Charles uh, but how has it been working with Charles all these years who is pretty much the biggest character in all of sports media I agree with you I was um, you know trying not to compliment people too much because it might go to their heads but I I told Chuck that. Just the other day, I don't know who else in the country could do commercials without ever seeing them on TV, without seeing their picture, and yet you know who it is. And I think I think that the Subway people and and and, and Charles do a remarkable job on on those commercials. Um, that said, he is the most magnanimous, uh, giving person. Uh, one of the most magnanimous and giving people that I've met in a long time. He also is uh, very quick on the air. He can take a joke. He can also throw a few shots back at you too. But working with him is most interesting from the standpoint that you just don't know what he's going to say. You know, I, there are a couple of times that I've turned to him and, and I'll say, you know, okay, so let's talk about that first half and he'll go, Greg, it was the most boring half of basketball I've ever seen in my life. You know, and you think, you think, well, the bosses are going, no, don't say that. 
but 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 he's honest and he's straightforward and he certainly knows the game of basketball. His his God, I remember one time he was talking about how one forward was just making a living going to town on on the smaller guys underneath the basket. And I said, too easy for him. And he said, Greg, it's like going hunting at the zoo. (laughs) (laughs) He's entirely serious about it, you know, but he's got a way of saying things. It is funny because, you know, so much of his, his success, as you just pointed out perfectly, is about being honest. I think that is, yes, he's funny. He's okay. But you know, he's honest. And that still makes bosses nervous. You know, they don't want him saying this is a crap. You know, there was, I remember during, when he was on TNT during the, I think it was the NBA playoffs. There were some blowouts or boring games, or whatever. And he's talking about how he's more interested in the NHL playoffs while he's doing an NBA studio show. Now, I can understand why bosses are, you know, flipping out while he's saying that. But that's the appeal. You, you would think more sports media executives would understand that. But I think they understand it. I, I, yeah. I do think they understand it. And I think as years have gone by, you're more willing to be honest about about things that happen. It's not always the best thing to assume that the viewers can see it too, because because that has its little hills and valleys. But by and large, yeah, a, a good sports fan knows what he's watching and can and can pretty much differentiate between good and bad. You had a great honest moment. I think it was last year's tournament when they CBS and, and Turner were doing the. They had these dancing characters coming oh. out, and your host had to dance with them and. They cut to you and you look like you just wanted to basically drop yourself into the ground and never be seen again. I am. Um, my, my stance is um, uh, CBS pays me for a lot of things, but one of them isn't to be a fool. <laughs> and I wasn't going to get up there and act like a fool and other right. people can go and have fun and do it. But but uh, I, I have I have my limitations at times. Uh, to move away from the tournament, talk about your career for a little bit here. I mentioned 50th year in, in, in sports broadcasting, sports media. How vividly do you remember your first sports media gig and, and tell people what it was, if you don't mind? Well, um, I began, I, I, was, I was fortunate. I began in a market the size of Chicago. Uh, there are a lot of people, I've said it over and over again, who work and work and work in Battle Creek, Michigan, and Keokuk, Iowa, and Yuma, Arizona, and they never get the opportunity to work in a market the size of Chicago. Uh, I was um, I was selling hospital supplies at the time, and um, my brother, who had who had been uh, for about three four years at KNBC in Burbank, his starting point. He was also extremely fortunate. He'll never deny that. <laughs> he called me and said. Um, they're looking for a weekend sports guy at Channel 5 in Chicago. Are you interested? And I was interested on a number of levels. And, and my, my first reaction is baseball bedpans, baseball bedpans. Yeah, I, I, could, I could go for that. Um, the other thing was to be able to get back to Chicago where I grew up. So uh, I said, sure. So I made the arrangements, um, talked to them. I flew into Chicago, uh, auditioned with a bunch of other people. They said, don't call us. We'll call you. And three weeks later, they called. And so um, so I began as um, the weekend sportscaster, Saturday and Sunday on the air. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I was a, a reporter. And, you know, I, I believe the first thing that I ever reported on was a horse race of some sort that had some significance at Arlington Park Racetrack. And, and of all the sports, 
that I had to choose to start with, that was my least favorite because I don't know anything. Right. I don't know a thing about horse racing. Yeah. Um, I, I do remember getting in some trouble um, once that I followed some guy who was talking about horse racing on a, on a sports interview show. And the guy came when he said, hey, did you hear this guy? And I said, yeah. <clears throat> and this guy had said that, uh, that, that he has this tremendous heartwarming feeling every time he sees a race because these horses give their all. And I go, you know, did anybody notice the little guy with the whip on their back? <laughs> and apparently they got some phone calls about that. Um, but that was my, that was my intro to broadcasting. Um, I was nervous. Uh, Bryant was, Bryant was a born broadcaster. He didn't have any fear. He was cocky. Uh, he was more than self-confident. I didn't have any of that. And, uh, and I was pretty nervous. And for, for a while there, I, I just sweat. Every single broadcast, I was sweating. They, my nickname in the, in the videotape room was Waterfall. Oh, my God. And, um, and it took a while. And, and I'm grateful to the people who hired me for sticking with me long enough to, to figure it all out. And then the sweating went away. Yeah. And that was back in 1973. Right. Um, and then... You know, it's funny. I remember you. I mean, listen, we all, obviously, every, I think everyone remember CBS, you've been there forever doing NFL, call the Super Bowl, that we'll get into. I remember you at NBC. I actually, I'm, a, I'm in New York. I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I remember you working for MSG. I remember you doing Yankee games for that. Um, tell me, do you have a favorite gig that you've done over favorite sport? You know, is it, is it the Super Bowl? Is it the tournament? It was it, uh, you know, it could be, Anything? Well, any a favorite gig that you had over the years? It's baseball is my favorite sport. Okay. Whether whether the company that I'm working with has the rights to it or not, and I've done baseball for both CBS and for NBC, um, and 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 is it is far away. I, I my dad started throwing baseballs at me when I was four. I started catching them when I was about seven. But it was it was it was something that 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 my brother and I were both raised on. My dad played some minor league baseball in New Orleans and, um, and, and he began taking us to, to baseball games at a very early age. Um, but these things flip around. Uh, my, my favorite sport to do now, I suppose is, is the NFL because it's ongoing and because um, you know the college basketball season really comes down to three weeks of the tournament. And those, those three weeks are electric and hectic and, and been very demanding. But to do a football game every single week of the season is uh, is, is a real kick for me, and, and I enjoy that a lot. As for favorite gigs, you know, people say, well, it should be Olympics because you know, I've had a chance to do three of them. But Olympics is hard. Olympics is really, really hard to do. I, I, the research goes almost a year prior to the games themselves. At least I did. I did about a year and a half's worth of research before the games in uh, Norway mm -hmm. in '94. And, and even then, you've got to learn sports that you're not familiar with. You've got to learn biathlon. You've got to learn luge and bobsledding and cross-country skiing and biathlon. And, 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 and it's not always – and then there are names. In addition to the history, there are the names that you have. You have just this guy from Sweden and this guy from Norway and this guy from Germany. And, and there's somebody always waiting to pounce if you mispronounce it too. But right. so, so those were probably the most difficult. But I think the times that I got to do um, – baseball playoff games and I did NBA playoffs at, at, at uh, NBC. Those things, those things stay with you. And you, did over the years, did you always have one preference on studio versus play by play? Has it changed over the years? 
you know, that. it was always, it was always, I was always a studio guy. And when I got to the garden, you know, I went from channel five in Chicago, seven and a half years in Chicago and then to ESPN right. for five and a half years. And there were guys at ESPN who wanted, desperately wanted to do play by play. George Grand wanted to do baseball. He loved baseball. Tom Meese loved hockey and wanted to do that. Bob Lee wanted to do college basketball. Luke Palmer wanted to do golf. I didn't have a yearning to do play-by-play. Then when I got to um, when I got to the Garden, I filled in a little bit um, for for Marv doing some mixed games, and then as you mentioned, uh, did Yankee games with Bobby Mercer and Lou Pinella and Tommy Hutton, and did that for a couple of years, and then. I got a call from uh, Ted Shaker, who was the executive producer at CBS Sports, and he said, uh, I'd like to talk to you about some, some things. So we had lunch, and he said they wanted to hire me to do some freelance play-by-play in NFL at CBS. And I said, why? <laughs> and he said, I said, I've never done it before. And they said, well, because we think you can. So I, I signed up to do a minimum of five games that first season. I ended up doing 11. And they were with uh, Kenny Stabler. This Stabler was my first partner. So in addition to learning NFL play-by-play, I also learned how to drink that first year. <laughs> and, um, and it was, it was uh, interesting and fun. And then the following year, I signed a full-time contract at CBS. And then how did it end up where you did the... Well, that was years later, I guess, where you did studio with Terry Bradshaw for NFL Today. <clears throat> It was. It, well, no, it was, it was actually a couple of years later because I, I signed full-time in uh, 89. Right. And I was disappointed because they asked me not to do uh, NFL play-by-play, but to host their college football studio show. Okay. I did at that time. And um, one year later, and, and I, didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much as, as I would have in the NFL. Yeah. But I think it showed them that I could host a studio show. And the following year, Brent left, and that's when I went into the NFL Today studio with Terry. Was that difficult to replace a legend like Brent? I mean, when I say legend like Brent, I mean, the NFL Today was the legend, and Brent, obviously, the host of that. And everyone, if you're know, if you an NFL fan, sports media fan, you know the NFL Today was sort of like a pioneer show. So when you go in and replace Brent, um, nerves or not a problem? Well, a little bit of nerves. I, I confess, you know, it's it's... It's so typical of so many things that you don't appreciate how difficult a job it is until you do it. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're, you're up to your neck. And, and the only thing that people at home see is they're watching their game and then you pop on for about 30 seconds to update that someone threw a touchdown pass in Philadelphia and then they send you back to the game. In the studio, you get there about... 7.30, 8 in the morning, and you do a little note reading and research and so on, and you do makeup, and then there's a production meeting, and then there's rehearsal. And you rehearse from about quarter to 11 until the show goes on at noon. Then you do the entire noon show. Everybody else takes a break. You sit there, and the first update that happens, you've got to do that update into the game in Baltimore. Then after that, you've got to do that same update into the game in New York. Then you've got to do that update into Atlanta. And by the time you finish all of the markets, something else has happened. The problem with being the host in a studio, if you really love football, is you don't get to watch football. You're getting a highlight here and a highlight there. Interesting. And you really do that throughout the entire first half until it's time to rehearse halftime. 
Then you do halftime, then you do the same thing during the second half until you begin to prepare for the four o'clock kickoffs. And it's the same thing all over again, and then all of a sudden it's 7.30 in the evening and you're done. And you really are not sure what happened until the end of the day. So did you ask CBS to put you back on games after that? Because, you know, you felt like you weren't... Um, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. I enjoyed it, especially with, okay. with Bradshaw, who taught me everything Stabler didn't teach me. <laughs> I was going to say, we, talk, we talked about Charles. I mean, what a, career, what, what a nice little thing for you to work with Charles and Terry Bradshaw. I would imagine you have some Terry Bradshaw stories as well. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, and, you know, either Barkley, Stabler... Bradshaw, you could just put the nameplate Wild Child in front of it and <laughs> it would apply. Um, but I, no, I, I mean, I got the hang of it, I think. And, and, and the, I think the most important thing until we got used to what we were doing is that Terry and I had pretty good chemistry. Yeah. And we had that going for four years and then we lost the contract to Fox. And, um, and <laughs> Terry went around telling everybody, we got fired. So we didn't get fired. We just don't have that job. <laughs> That's great. And then, Terry, and then Terry went to Fox and I went to NBC for four years right. and then came back to right. CBS when CBS reacquired the NFL. You mentioned the chemistry with Terry. I'm not going to ask you to name names. I mean, if you want to name names, God bless you. But you don't have, but have you ever had a gig where you didn't have chemistry with your partner, whether, you know, doing studio or play by play, anything where you felt like this is not working? No. I haven't, I haven't had that kind of situation uh, since I worked uh, with someone back in Chicago. Um, I've been fortunate to have terrific partners, both in, in football and in basketball, like Quinn Buckman for four years doing college basketball and doing the NBA, uh, Bill Walton and Steve Jones over at NBC. Um, and, 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 and that is, while I'm well aware that there are people who work with other people that they don't like, it's never been the case for me, starting with Stabler and Bradshaw and Phil Sims and Dan Deardorff and, and, and Trent Green. And it's, it's been it's been terrific. And, and I do feel very fortunate because I know it's not always the case. Yeah, for sure. And I, I asked you about Terry and I asked you about Charles. So if you mentioned Bill Walton, I have to ask what that was like. I mean, talk about. One of the ultimate I, I had I had Bill Walton on this podcast a few years ago, I think. Maybe he was on for 45 minutes. I spoke for two. He spoke for 43. It was, it was the easiest podcast I've ever had to do in my life. His, his approach is so laid back. And we had a lot, we had a lot of things in common. Um, music was the biggest thing we had in common. You know, he has always been a diehard Grateful Dead fan. And, and he knows what a big Rolling Stones fan I have always been. Uh, when I, I sent him a sympathy card when Jerry Garcia died. And he told me if it had been Keith Richards, he'd have done the same for me. And we, we were constantly, he told me stories. He went to Egypt, just went to Cairo to see a, to see a, a Grateful Dead show. Yeah. And he walked up to the stage and the security guard tried to stop him. And he says, I'm with the band. And he walked up, he walked up and sat on a speaker on the stage. Um, do you know off the top of your head how many Stone shows you've seen? Do you go uh, when they uh, like, do you go every tour basically? I have not missed. Uh, I have I have seen at least one show on every North American tour since '65. Wow! And I got to probably totals it's sold somewhere between fifty and fifty-five. And because there there came days when I was able to attend more than just one show and, and travel. And now, have they done any shows since COVID? Oh, sure they did. Oh. Oh, they have sure. done shows in the last. I, I saw the last show they did before everything shut down because of COVID, right. and it was here in Miami. And then uh, they were off for a while, and then they reignited that tour last 
I want to say last September. Okay. And so they they finished that portion of the U.S. tour, and now they're going to do Europe. I mean, they're amazing. They're all time favorite Stone song. Brown Sugar. Okay. So here's a great here's a great story. Yeah. I work with a guy, and he won't mind me telling the story because he loves it himself. He's a sports talk guy in St. Louis, and his name is John Hadley. And John would would be in our studio helping with our uh, with our uh, statistical stuff. And we would always talk about music. And I told him, I, I, I got to meet the Stones. It's like the highlight of my life. I got to meet them, get to know them. I got to go backstage at shows and so on and so forth. So John asked me to be on his show, uh, his sports talk show. So right. he introduces me and he's like, all right, I'm a pleasure of working with. And he's just a wonderful person. Greg Dunlop, I said, John, thank you. Thanks for having me. And he says, well, now, before we begin, I'm going to tell the audience something they probably don't know, uh, that, that, that you are a big fan of the Rolling Stones. And then he goes back to something that I told him in the studio. He says, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but didn't they write brown sugar for you? I went, no, John. <laughs> no, they, they did not. That was a joke. <laughs> right. Oh, well, I thought you were serious. No, I wasn't serious. That is amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. That's uh, wow! He bought that. That's uh, that's that's impressive. Um, we're 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 a little all over the place, but I, I'm loving it. I want to keep. I, you mentioned the Olympics a little bit ago. Were you the studio host for the Nancy Kerrigan Tanya Harding? Yep. Now tell me about that. Did did you? I mean, that is an incident. I feel like in this social media age, it doesn't get the attention for just, you know, like that is Chris Rock, Will Smith times a thousand. If I, you know, if you ask me yeah, and it's funny cause there's not a ton of, I was looking for footage on YouTube to see if you were involved in it at all. And I couldn't really find anything. Tell, take, uh, take me through what that evening was like. Well, you know, everybody, of course, everybody, of course, was, was tuning in and looking for, for, for what happened. And we local time, local time in Norway, we would hit the air about midnight and our show would go midnight to four, midnight to 5 AM or something like that. And with everything that happened between Tanya and Nancy, I mean, it had everything. It had like like a like a back alley hit <laughs> to it, you know. And when when it when the competition came down to it, we were about 15 seconds from signing on for for on air that evening. And Rick Gentile, my producer, says in my ear, "Hey, don't worry. There are only about 180 million people watching." <laughs> oh, great! Thanks so much. But I think that we, you know, we presented it as it was. And, and by now, the, the only drama that was left was how the competition would play out. And, you know, all eyes were on that. And it, it is what it is. And, you know, we had, you know, we we talked about the whole thing about Tanya crying and she can't tie her shoelace. And um, Nancy Kerrigan's mother is screaming at the uh, at, at the officials from the stands. Uh, it, it had a lot to it, and it was more than just your average little figure skating competition. Right. I think we went through it okay. We didn't make any judgments. We just—I've never—I've never been one to say this is how you should feel about this. It's what I—it's what I kind of have about sports talk radio. I think in a lot of ways, sports talk radio tries to dictate to people how they should think. And, um, and, and I feel badly for the people who take that to heart. Well, yeah, that's how I think too, because what, you just heard it. You know, I, I think that's, 
that's that's the fallacy in the whole thing. But um, but but I that's never been. And, and by the way, I did that for a year. You mentioned it earlier at WFAN. I was the I, I was the first voice on WFAN because I did six to ten in the morning. Right. And it took me less than three months to figure out that I hated it. I absolutely hated it because people just call to argue and they don't go, hey, Greg, how about the Yankees trade Don Mattingly to the Mets for Daryl Strawberry? Right. What are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed That's to do? That's the fan. Yeah, I know. But how, so tell me, I, I was going to get, because I, how long did you do the mornings at, at WFAN? Well, my contract was for three years. Uh, at the end of two months, I knew I didn't want to be there anymore. And I was still working for the garden at the time. And um, when the company that I worked for that owned WFAN purchased WNBC radio, along with that purchase came Don Imus. So the boss calls me in the office and says, we're going to have to put Imus on in the morning. And I go, I know. <laughs> and they you said, thrilled. and they said, but we, but we really enjoy your work. And I said, I know. He said, well, we'd like to put you in another time slot. I said, I can't. I have obligations for Madison Square Garden. I have several studio shows. I've got Knicks games, I've got Yankees games. And they said, well, then we're just going to have to, you know, pay you the rest of your contract and let you go. And I went, I know. <laughs> and I was very happy to do it. Oh, so they paid the rest of the contract. Yeah, very yeah. nice. Very yeah. nice. So how long did you do the mornings total? Three, I think it probably was, I think it was probably almost a year. Almost Before they acquired w, uh, WNBC and then, and then the Imus. And you became a huge Don Imus fan because he saved you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I met him once. I, I met him yeah. once. It was, uh, it was interesting. You know, I just thought of this when I mentioned Imus. I was going to save this for the very end, but since we mentioned Imus, I'll bring it up now. I was on your Wikipedia page just for some research purposes. And it says on your Wikipedia page that you're a huge Howard Stern fan. I am. Is that true? Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a super fan as well. So I, I, uh, have you been on the show? I have, I have. I, don't know, I, I, I was pissed at myself for not knowing this. I don't understand how I missed this. Well, I don't make it a habit like a lot of, a lot of people did. In fact, it's been several years because, um, uh, let's face it. There are some arrows flying from time to time. And, and although he's been always been very kind to me, um, right. I don't ever, I don't want to push that. And there are, there are some people who come away from that show a little bit wounded from time to time, but he yeah. has always been very gracious to me. And, and, and I always, look, I enjoy laughing, you know, when, when I'm in the car, if there's something, if there's something else that he's doing that I'm not interested in, I'm listening to a stand up uncensored stand up comedy on Sirius XM. And I'm, right. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of comedy. I've gotten to know some comedians that I enjoy and it's, uh, but yeah, I've, I've been, I've been a Howard fan for a long, long time. I had no idea. That's, I feel like we have a bond now. Um, you mentioned comedy and listening to the serious station and comedian. So I'll ask Will Smith, Chris Rock, your thoughts. Um, uh, certainly an overreaction and, and out of place. I think I, I, uh, I, I didn't know about it. I was on a plane on the way back from New York Sunday night when it happened. And oh, I, I love hearing stories like this. Like that, when someone doesn't know something the entire country is obsessed with. So, yes, tell me, take me through you, you finding well, out about well, it. Well, I get off the plane and Seth Davis texts me and he says, did you see uh, Will Smith went all Jawan Howard on, uh, on Chris Rock? Great, <laughs> great said, line. You're kidding me. And then I, you know, you look it up and it's all over Google and everybody's got the clip. Um, I uncalled for. I don't know that you know. Yeah. You know that, I think at least pick on a guy your own size. Um, I think someone had a great line that said, "If the Rock had been on the, on the stage, Will would still yep. be in his seat." Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
But I thought it was, you know, lost in, in, in the complete insanity of it was, you know, Chris Rock really, like, you can't handle that better than Chris Rock did. I agree with you. I agree with you. And by the way, I thought the best line was Amy Schumer after the break. Right. She's, <laughs> she's yeah, yeah, yeah. did I miss anything? <laughs> yeah. This, this this is breaking as we speak. So since you are one of the voices of CBS on the NFL, I'll get you. They approve the owners approved the new overtime rule. So each team will now get a possession in overtime. Yeah, I hate that. You hate that. Yeah. So what would you like the overtime to be? I would like it to be uh, the way it is. Look, I just think I, even to me, I, I can understand the field goal thing because you can get in range. But to to, to do this discredits defense. You know, there have been there have been times you can remember defenses in the day. You know, the, the, the Baltimore Ravens would say, "Yeah, let them have the ball." You know, we'll end up giving it to the offense back at their own twenty-yard line. But I think it, it doesn't give the defense any credit. You know, there are two units out there, and to say that it's unfair to to this team because their defense is on the field is just denying the defense. So that's that's just my personal view. Yeah. I know it's in the minority. I hear what you're saying. I just feel like I feel like. 90% of the teams in the league now, it's like defense is optional. Everything is offense, offense, offense. So I don't know, you know. Um, I also think, you know, I spoke about this with, I think it was with, with Nance. When Nance was on this podcast, I think around playoff time. Like, I, they, I think they should just have, I'd be fine with them having a certain overtime rule for regular season and then a different one for the postseason. Like, if you, in the regular season, who cares? But in the postseason, like, I wish they would just play out a quarter, play out a fifth quarter. And if you're tied at the end of that fifth quarter, play a sixth quarter. I, don't give me the players are going to drop dead and they're going to be tired and all this. Just play out the play out a quarter. I, I think that's – I hate gimmicks. I don't like the gimmicks. I agree with you. It's the same thing I dislike about hockey. Uh, I think that, that, that once you hit overtime, like they do in Stanley Cup playoffs, you continue to play with the people you have on the ice. At minimum, I don't mind the three-on-three, three, but why bring it to an end? Why bring it to an end and then go to the shootout? And all, now all of a sudden it's soccer, you know? Right, right, right. No, I agree. Agree totally. Um, if I asked you all-time favorite event that you called, would it be Super Bowl 35, Giants-Ravens 2001? I know there was – obviously that was historical. You were the first black man to call a Super Bowl on network television. I don't know what, if, you know, that made it bigger to you. No, no, I, I think it was, a, to, to be honest with you, I think that was a bigger deal than to other people than it was to me. Uh, I kind of thought it was, in a lot of ways, circumstantial because I was there, you know. But the 38 was a better football game. You know, 38 was a much better football game, and, and the Patriots win it at the, at, the, at the buzzer with a kick. But, um, but I mean, I under, look, I understand the importance of it. Um, I do get a lot of questions about why haven't there been more? And I go, I'm not the one to ask, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's not right. my call. Um, right. But I, but I, um, but I do appreciate more than anything else. I mean, I've always appreciated the opportunities that CBS has given me to represent them. And I don't take that lightly. And I know a lot of people don't get that chance. So when I have gotten the chance, I have always felt that, uh, that, that it's pretty big, bear the standard bearer thing to, to do and it's um and and, and it's, it's something that that i that i've always treasured and i will i always will now you you were the lead nfl play-by-play man for cbs for for several years back then when you see now what's going on with the salaries of all of these people do you say to yourself 
I, if I, you know, if I was in a different era right now, because this has gotten, it's gotten crazy the last, you know, I, I will admit, weeks. I will tell you it has gotten crazy. Um, I don't have a feel any need to, to, to be jealous of it. I have been treated really nicely and have, um, have always, uh, I've always been appreciative of, of what I have been able to do for a long, long time. So, so I think that, so that, that doesn't apply to me. Um, I think that what, what does tickle my, 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 my thought process is I've never felt in my entire life that there is an announcer who can bring someone to the TV set to watch a game that that viewer wasn't already going to watch. And I believe that the only thing that a broadcaster can do is chase people away. I know this for a fact because I won't name them, but there are three or four announcers that go, oh, I'm really interested in watching it. Oh, nope, click, gone. Because, oh, I would, I would love to know those names. Uh, maybe <laughs> off air, I'll tell you. But I truly believe that. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think that, that someone is yeah. going to tune in just to hear a particular person call a football game. There are some other things that happen too. Is that the games that the people who are making this money, the the money that they're that they're calling, are really good games, really yeah. good games. Yeah. Now, you know, people have said to me, "Oh, didn't Alan Alan Chris did a great job on Thursday night?" I said, yeah, they always do a great job. However, they do the best game of the week, right? All the way back to the days of Pat Summerall and John Madden. Pat and John were terrific. I wanted to pattern myself after Pat Summerall. He didn't overtalk. He was understated. He was specific about the things that he said. And they were terrific. But how could you not be terrific when every Sunday you're doing yeah. Giants, Cowboys, Bears, Packers, Rams, 49ers, Cowboys, Redskins, Eagles, Giants. You know, those are the, all of the games that, 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 that the pick of the litter. Right. Mo, Larry, and Curly. No offense to anyone calling games. Mo, Larry, and Curly can do a good football game. But the task and the problem is when you get a one in <laughs> Bradshaw and I did a game, the last game of the season that we did, we worked together. It was the two and 13 Tampa Bay Bucks against the one of two and, what was the two and uh, 12 Tampa Bay Bucks and the one and 13 Detroit Lions. Right. <laughs> and the last game of the season, and we're in the 30 seconds prior to coming on the air. And Stabler says to our director, hey, John. John says, yeah. Is this game going anywhere outside of the stadium? <laughs> because those are the games yeah. that are really yeah. tough to do and that you have to draw on all of the research that you've done, all of the storytelling. You know, you try to avoid, here's, here's the picture of me and my uncle when I was three. You know, it becomes, it becomes more difficult because the game isn't carrying itself. I do think I, someone explained to me and I think because I, what you said, I get so much of from people on Twitter, you know, because I, I write about the announcers, cover the announcers. And so many fans will say, you know, everyone's going to watch the game no matter who the announcers are, which, which is what you said. But the NF, these networks, CBS and, and Fox and ESPN, they're paying so much money for these packages that, you know, I think if you're going to pay that much money for the package, you're going to pay a lot of money to have the top sort of announcers yeah you want some people so you want somebody on who's not going to screw it up right exactly but even um, uh, but have you ever tuned into a game and you heard guys screwing it up and turned away no you just no. turned the sound down there are a couple of there are a couple of people who i will 
leave the TV on maybe an extra three, four, five minutes to hear, even if I'm not into the game. Hmm. But it's really maybe it, it, it might be, it's like Raftery and, and, you know, maybe, uh, and Walton. Hmm. I have no interest in college basketball really, but if I'm flipping the channels at 11 o'clock at night and Walton's calling a Pac-12 game on ESPN, I'll be like, all right, let's see how wacky we're getting here for a few minutes and, you know. Hey, look, and it gets wacky. Sure. And it gets but, wacky. But, you know, it drove Cosell crazy when people said people were turning the volume down and listening to Jack Buck and Hank Stram on the radio. Right. And uh, I did it. I, I did it. I was absolutely, I'd rather listen to Jack and Hank. I do that for Yankee games. I listen to John Sterling and Susan Waldman just because they crack me up on a daily basis. Susan Waldman, when I first started at WFAN, Susan Waldman was my news person. Yes. She was the first voice of the, you mentioned you right. you had the first show at six a.m. But Susan was the first voice heard when you're the exactly started. right. Yeah, yeah. She, she signed on. She's a sweetheart. Um, before we go, I've enjoyed this so much. I, I you know you mentioned at the beginning about your brother Bryant and he was a natural. Did you were, were you guys competitive at all, both being in sports media, or were you supportive of each other? How did how did that go? With uh, certainly, brothers? certainly, certainly supportive of each other. You know, we were yeah. we were competitive growing up. We played baseball and football and basketball growing up. Yeah. But um, but when he started, he was in local news, and I was I mean, he was in local news, and I was selling hospital supplies. When by the time that I got into local news, he had moved on to NFL Live. Or the, or the NFL on, on NBC hosting uh, right. that show. Yep. By the time I got to ESPN and began doing those kinds of studio shows, he had moved on to the Today Show. So we were never really, uh, quote unquote, in competition with each other. Um, right. We still talk often. He, uh, he sent me, he sent, just this morning, he sent me a picture of Phil Collins and he says, it sucks to get old. Yeah, kind of I saw off, that. You know? Yeah, totally. but it, but um, but it's funny. Every time, every time an athlete that we grew up with passes, we just jot a note to each other and send it and remind yeah. remind ourselves how uh, how fortunate we are at this point. I, I I would never, you know, want to get into anything specific with you and your brother. But there's one question I've always wanted to know. Maybe you can help me. It's like the biggest sports media question I've ever had. So I'm a big fan of your brother, and I like real sports. I've always, what is he writing down in between those segments? I want to know that more than any sports media question in the world. He gets that pen, he's writing, and I'm, I want to know what he's writing. Okay, this is going to sound horrible. <laughs> but he knows it. I don't watch the show. What? I don't watch the show. Because, and because and this, this is my rationale. Okay. I am interested in what happens on the field, on the court, on the baseball diamond. Uh, on the ice, I am interested in the results and who did what and how this team won. Bryant is, and he's extremely good at telling stories. But so he'll have some kid who lost his parents when he was young, right. and his maternal grandmother taught him how to throw a football, yeah. and now he's throwing for 450 yards a game for some team out in the far west, which is a fine story. But I don't care about that. I really don't. And, and, and he, he does all these, these feel-good yeah. stories. I go, well, okay, that's good, but I don't want to tune in for that. And he knows it. He knows it. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and people, well, if you've oh, never seen – have you never seen the show? I, yeah. Look, I tune in here and there to see right, you know, right. what's happening here and what's happening there. I, 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 somebody, so called, that's, 
Somebody told me, somebody told me I needed to tune in at the end of one show years ago um, because he said I'd better do a good job because uh, my my father and my mother would want it that way and not to fall back on stupid cliched sayings and so on and so forth. But uh, no, we've always been, we've always been uh, in, in good relationship with each other and, and we laugh about a lot of things. So after every one of those segments with, you know, the kid who lost his parents and his grandparents teach him how to, you know, they come back to Bryant and he writes on the pad and then he interviews Mary Carrillo and I'm like, I want to know what he's writing. You know how I know about the writing thing? Tell me. Did you ever see the Family Guy episode? No, oh, I have not. You have to look it up. It's called Gumble to Gumble Beach Justice. Okay. And yeah, like Brian and I are lifeguards. <laughs> but, but, but there are... There have been a couple of instances where they've used Brian and, and basically he's going, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Um, we are well aware, we are well aware that that, uh, that that program can slice people apart. And they were, they were very kind to us. Uh, yeah. Last thing, you know, we, we mentioned this is your 50th year in broadcasting. We, I mean, we've, you, you've gone through your pay. I mean, you've done it all NFL, college, basketball, NBA. You said you love baseball. Is there any thing you have not called that you want to call any, stadium arena you've not called something in that you want to call something in. not arenas so much um i am fanatical it gets to that point and i welcomed charles barkley to the fold a couple of years ago i'm a fanatical hockey fan specifically or maybe despite the fact i've never been on a pair of ice skates in my life i don't like being cold which is why i live <laughs> in fort lauderdale i, yeah. I grew up in I was born in new orleans hot as hell I grew up in Chicago, cold as hell. Cold. And so I'm here where I enjoy the, the climate and the temperature. Um, but I, I've always been a hockey fan. I can sit down and watch a hockey game between the two worst teams in the league on television and get tremendous enjoyment out of it. And I've, I still believe this. Hockey is the only sport where you can physically see the uptick in intensity in the postseason. I really believe that that you can you can look at a game and go, oh yeah, that's a Stanley Cup playoff game. Right, right. right. And um, and and so I've so so you know would I be able to handle a play by play in a hockey game? I don't know. I've I have great respect for those who do because the names are a little bit tougher as you go along. Although you know you eventually learn it anyway. But yeah. uh, but I just love the game of hockey. Well, Greg, I appreciate this. Uh, I had a blast, and uh, we have the final four coming up this weekend on CBS Saturday. Actually, it's on, it's on TBS this year. Oh, TBS, TBS, that's right. Yeah. They switch every yeah, year to year. So it's uh, Villanova against Kansas, 609 Eastern, and then North Carolina Duke. Yeah, nobody will be watching so that's gotta, that. That's got to get you pumped up, right? Yeah, nobody will be watching that at all. We had Kenny, Kenny yeah. Smith. If he doesn't wear blue, everybody will drop dead of a heart attack. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> they, should, they should be yeah. good games. And you know, it's, it's funny. We, we just went through the whole St. Peter's thing. And the right. problem, as, as it always is, everybody loves an upset. And you know, but but later on, there's a price to pay for that, and that right. team gets to a higher rated and more talented team, and, and a lot of times the spanking happens as it did this time. But it's still it's still a fun event to do. We'll all be watching you on Saturday in studio with uh, Charles and Kenny and Clark Kellogg, and uh, yeah, there'll be a couple of eyeballs on Duke, North Carolina. So don't mess up yeah. any names that night. I'll try not to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. 
Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All right, joining me now, SI Media Podcast. Uh, he's not a regular, but he's been on many times, which I appreciate. First time, I think, in person. We've always we've done this pre-Zoom. He is WWE superstar, getting ready for WrestleMania 38, Seth Rollins. Seth, how are you? Yeah, I would consider myself a regular, but also, yes, I this is the first time I am uh, seeing what you look like. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've only heard your voice before, I, I, so... I got a haircut over the weekend. It's a little rough right now. New experience for me. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I mean, I don't want to start off on a negative, and you're doing me the favor by coming on, but I would have appreciated a little drip. I am always in drip. I actually considered it, but uh, based on the schedule today, I had to get to the gym. <laughs> there was limited time to fully drip, so this is where we're at. The, the hair is slightly drippy, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I can take it down if you really... No, no. I want you to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable. If you want a little experience, you know, we can give you, give you the the lusciousness of the action. You know what? Now that I'm seeing myself here, that's that's pretty good. I might just leave it. You know what it feels like to me? Tell me, I'm curious. Now this is going to sound so douchey as a fan saying this. I'm going to apologize in advance, (laughs) but it seems hair down is like more of a heel thing, hair up more of a face thing. Is that like a thing in, in, in wrestling? Yeah. God, I don't know, man. I think uh, I feel like when the hair is down, like it's a villain type of thing. 
I guess maybe, the, but I don't know. I never thought about it. I go, I, I try to do both. Right, what right. I like to do, what I like to do is have the Brad Pitt effect is what I like to call it because that guy changes his look every so often that you don't even know what his base look is. So he can do anything. He's right. like a chameleon when it comes to it. And people still think he's beautiful, you know? Yeah. Now look, I've got a very signature type look but I like to do some different stuff with my hair now and again to uh, throw the people off, you know, give them a fresh yeah. taste. What, what happened to the blonde streak? I was a fan of that. Well, it broke off. Have you ever, have you ever bleached your hair? No, but ever... I, I know that's a thing where hair breaks when you bleach it. Yeah. Too yeah. I mean, look, here's the thing. I, I don't take great care of my hair. You know, I, that's not, uh, it's just not on my agenda. I don't have like a full regiment of, of stuff. So you bleach your hair long enough. It just, it kept breaking off and breaking off and breaking off. And pre- like, it was like when I shaved it, it was like this short. Like finally when I took it, I was like, I've had enough. Right. So I let it grow out and then it's never come back. But little little tidbit of a story for you here. Yep. WrestleMania uh, in New York, the last one we did in New York, 35, maybe it was or something mm-hmm. like that with uh, myself and Brock Lesnar. I had the intention of bringing the streak back. I had it. I, it was all set. I was ready to go. I had an appointment. And then. When it made it, when this information made its way up the chain of command, by the time it got to the tippy top, it got axed. Why? So, I would assume uh, that would be Vince who axed it. I will not name names. So why I did Vin, names, why did Vince ax it? <laughs> what was the uh, reason behind whoever it, axing it axing it? It was axed because uh, it was said to me that it would be a distraction as opposed to an accent. It would be, people would be only talking about these sorts of things instead of focusing on uh, the match and the story and all of that. So far be it for me to, um, to, to, you know, resist that, but it was what it was. But a little tip for you. Okay. So here's a question. Now we're going to get into WrestleMania. We have a lot to get into WrestleMania 38 Saturday and Sunday, WWE network, Peacock, and we got to get into Seth's opponent. We don't know what's going on, but I'm just curious about that because a lot of people in their work lives, I sort of subscribe to this rule and I'll, I hope my bosses are not listening, but it's do it and then deal with the ramifications afterwards. Now you obviously could now with the hair, was that a thought to maybe do it and deal with it afterwards or there's no doing that. And Vince always finds out what's going on. No. So it's one of those things where, uh another thing i i subscribe to yes you know um apologize later as right. much uh, asking for um forgiveness is much easier than asking for permission right but um also another one to ascribe to is you have to pick your hills to die on right right of course and some things are not worth that confrontation and the last thing you want is on the biggest night of your career essentially right. you know for your boss to not give two shits about right. your performance and is only focused on one aspect of your costume. Right. And right. so I was, uh, I'm very collaborative with Vince when it comes to stuff like that. And I didn't want to uh, surprise him in that regard. And I didn't, it, it wasn't a crucial part to the presentation. Right. It would have been cute, but it wasn't worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. got to pick your battles. Um, all right. So we've got WrestleMania 38 Saturday and Sunday. It's now a, Two night extravaganza. Let me start with that. Before they went to the two nights, I guess maybe last year, the year before was the first time they did it with two nights. That was a really, that was getting to be a really, really long ass show 
What was that like for the superstars? Well, the longer it got, the worse it was. And the one in question is the New York WrestleMania, which literally from the pre-show to the finale was like seven straight hours. And that is obnoxious. That is way <laughs> too much wrestling. And mind you, my wife won the main event that night. They didn't go to the ring until after midnight. Right. Which is just asinine. And the crowd was tired. It caused such a catastrophe because the, the subways had shut down and no one could get back to where they were going. It was such yeah. chaos because we were out at MetLife in the Meadowlands. So... I mean, it is a whole bag of worms that opened up from that. So yeah, man, it's it is no fun. And and that main event, which was awesome and super historic, suffered from just the crowd being drained. Right. They wanted to be there for everything, but I mean, you only have so much energy. You know what I mean? You can right. only put so much caffeine into your body before your heart explodes. It is this uh, weird dynamic where you know, in all of sports, you know. We love sports. We love the event. We're all about the event, but we want it to be short. You know, baseball does this, you know, stupid thing now with a runner on second base and extra innings. NFL, they don't want too many overtimes, so they concoct these rules. And now we've got a, a two-day WrestleMania. We, we love our events. We just want them in a timely fashion, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you want it all. You want to have your cake and eat it too, right, I think, as a, as a fan. So it's kind of what it is. But, I mean, I, I don't think we need to go – I think seven hours is just too long, you know, right, like right. I, I think WrestleMania four hours is, is solid. That's a solid number. Once a year, four hours, I can live with that. Yeah. Ooh, and do not seven hours. I don't know. Pick your poison yeah, for sure. And we'll get into the storyline, but I, I got to ask you, do you, I know you're a big sports fan. I know you're a big Chicago bears fan. I would assume you're a huge Cubs fan as well. Or is that a wrong assumption? No, no man. White Sox. You, we talked about this. Cardinals, baby. Okay. We've talked about this before, and I have a terrible memory. So, I mean, it's obviously atrocious that you're a Cub, that you're Bears and Cardinals. I, explain yeah, it again now. It's clashes. I mean, yeah. you, you just do what your family does, man. Right, that's right, right. my grandpa. Just That's what he did. Right. We watched Bears games on Sundays in the fall and the winter, and then the Cardinals games were on in the spring. I never questioned it when I was a, a tyke. And once it's ingrained in your system, you can't you can't betray your grandfather. Right. God bless. You know well, I mean? it goes two ways. Either you join forces or you go against him to, you know. Bus balls and, and beyond. Yeah, I had my moments yeah. in uh, in football in my teenage years where the Bears were awful. Um, and I, you know, I was like, why aren't we rooting for the 49ers? I'll root for them. They're the sexy team of the era. You know, Steve Young, Jerry Rice, all those guys. And right. so I had my I had my fling with the Niners. But then I came back around. I circled back around to Chicago. So as a, as a big NFL fan. When you do these, you know, the big shows like Mania, SummerSlam, et cetera, and they're in these, you know, for instance, this WrestleMania on, on Saturday and Sunday, WrestleMania 38 on WWE Network is in Jerry World in Dallas, obviously a landmark stadium in the NFL. So if you as an NFL fan, do you get pumped up when you're in these kind of venues? Oh, yeah, that's that, that's awesome. I mean, first of all, we live for the stadium shows. I mean, this year, I think more than any, we're doing a ton of them, which is incredible um, for just the stature of WWE as it is. But uh, I missed the Jerry World WrestleMania 32. My, my knee was still in, in, in flux at that time. And so this will be my first opportunity to uh, to really get to do that. And so I'm really excited um, to, to get out there to experience what 
just the screen, what it all looks like, all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, anytime we get into a huge stadium, it's a blast for me. So let's talk about you specifically and mania. Um, let's, I'm going to, in the interest of full disclosure for my listeners, we're taping this late Monday afternoon podcast will come out Wednesday. So, uh, Seth still has Monday night raw. He had a meeting with Vince McMahon Monday morning and it's, I mean, this is like a classic wrestling thing because it's like the 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 theme is that there's no storyline for Seth, but no storyline for Seth has become a storyline. Yeah. So how do you make it work where your storyline is that there's no storyline and no opponent? Well, you do what I've been doing hmm. and you try to make it work. You know what I mean? Uh, you try to make it work. And so that's what I've done the last few weeks. Try to, try to work my way into WrestleMania. And look, people say this is ridiculous this is preposterous you're seth freaking rollins how could you miss wrestlemania if you only knew how close to the truth this storyline was your mind would be blown because this is not this is a very legitimate situation for me the pieces went everything went haywire uh at day one in atlanta you know covid blew the whole thing up you see brock lesnar walk out with the wwe championship all hell broke loose and then and then it's dominoes right everything just has to fall bobby lashley gets hurt everything's chaos after that and so uh this was a very legitimate situation uh that has you know translated just to screen uh screen time every monday night and it's been a fun story because it's the only kind of like it's only match that's not you know, it's up in the air, you know, it's the only thing that you can kind of follow every week. I'm like, Oh, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Like what are these weird crossroads we're going to get into to get to the finish line? So it's been fun. Not my ideal way to go into WrestleMania. It's a lot of extra stress, but uh, it's been a party. And I think we're going to get there one way or the other. So I'm very excited to get to Dallas and I'm going to have my WrestleMania moment one way or the other. I don't, I don't I don't give a damn what Vince says. Now, there's a lot of speculation of who that opponent is going to be. I won't say anything because maybe someone doesn't want spoilers. People get very annoyed about spoilers. But someone who recently signed with WWE, there's a big rumor that that's the opponent. But do you feel like when you're in that moment at WrestleMania on Saturday, you're in the ring, everyone's waiting for your opponent. Is there any sort of trepidation on your end that when that music hits it can't live up to the hype or people could be disappointed with who it is. Or you think everyone will be satisfied when that opponent gets revealed. If it's on Saturday, I think, uh, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, either way, I think it's going to be a moment. And one thing that I've learned on this journey of trying to find my way to WrestleMania is that I am Seth freaking Rollins, and I am the moment. I am the moment. You look at WrestleMania over the last nine years, eight years, 10 years that I've, that I've been a part of it, and all I do is make moments. And it doesn't matter who I'm in the ring with or what we've got going on. I find a way to make moments. And so I am the moment. I am my own main event at WrestleMania. Anybody who's lucky enough to share the ring with me has a good chance to steal the show. I mean, you, you can run down the laundry list of my past WrestleMania accomplishments. We could do that all day, but it's right there in front of you. It took me a little while to see that, but I am WrestleMania. And I am the new Mr. WrestleMania. Sean, he had his time. He'll always be the original Mr. WrestleMania. But you look at the track record in the last decade. They don't get no better than me, baby. So you mentioned 
you you had one of the all time WrestleMania moments at WrestleMania 31 when you cashed in the Money in the Bank and uh, ended up getting involved in the in the Roman Lesnar match, and then you won the title. Obviously, is there ever a part of you that thinks like? That moment's going to be almost impossible to top because it was so, I mean, that is an all time moment right there. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those where if you're lucky enough to have a moment at WrestleMania anywhere on the card, you know, that's something that can live forever. Um, as we keep piling on these WrestleManias, I think we're at 38 now, you know, with two nights now, it's, it's, it's a tough task to find a moment that's going to live forever. Um, and the fact that I've been able to do that and really carve out a couple of moments I find that are going to live forever, or at least in people's memories, um, it's quite special, but yeah, there is that always that expectation that bar has been set. I mean, literally sky high. It doesn't get much better than a first time cash in title win WrestleMania in the main event. Um, so yeah, I've always got that in the back of my head. How can I top that? But I think that's fun. That's the challenge. And it may never be toppable. It may just not be possible um, for me, for anybody who knows, you know, but I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to try to find that story, going to find that moment, going to find that match. And that's the beauty of the business. And that's the beauty of the art form is it, it just, it, it's all subjective and it, and it can never be stopped. You know, there's always something better, always something bigger. And you got to be out to find that. It feels like to me, you had a little thing with Roman recently, but I feel like it didn't go full blown what it could be. Do you feel that way? Like, do you feel like you still have a lot left to do with Roman in terms of storyline and potential big matches? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's not forget, I am the only person with a victory over Roman Reigns in a title match on pay-per-view. That gets lost in the shuffle. I beat him. I beat him. Period. That's all there is to it. I won by disqualification. There is, on top of that, there is just mountains of history between me and Roman. I mean, you look at everything that he's accomplished in the last year, the person that he's become, it's absolutely incredible to see. And I'm still the one guy who knows how to get to him. The one guy. If you look at everybody else, all the other matches that he had, some huge marquee ones leading up to Royal Rumble, nobody was able to get here with him the way I was. And I'll always have that. Always. You know, I know he exercises demons with the chair and all that stuff, but there is always unfinished business between Roman and I. He still hasn't beat me when it, when it comes down to it. And so I think that's going to eat at him more than anything. It sounds like to me you're not acknowledging him. I'll acknowledge him for what he what he is, but not for what he wants to be. Right. He thinks he's this needle mover. He thinks he's this, you know, he as he goes, the business goes, hey, buddy, you're great. I love you. I do. I respect you. One of the most talented performers of our generation, maybe of all time. But, dude, you ain't that guy, man. You ain't that guy. Not till you get past me. Yeah. I'm the gatekeeper when it comes to that. And I say absolutely not. So I love Roman. Love him like a brother. He may not feel the same about me these days, but I always will have that special bond with him and Mox. And at the end of the day, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. I He thinks he's here and I just don't see it, man. Period. Since you mentioned Mox, you know, you had, two things happened with you recent, fairly recently that um, caused the big start. And I think one of the reasons why so many people enjoy you, your character watching you is you do seem to, you know, quote unquote, go there. You mentioned Moxley during a promo on WWE TV where people thought, you know, the earth would burn down if that happened. Um, 
was there any backstage reaction to that? Any fallout from that? Everything was good after that? What happened when you mentioned John Moxley on WWTV in that promo with Roman? Not one thing. Not one single thing. Nobody said anything to me about it. And it's, it, it's, everyone knows he's a part of our history. You can't, you can't do Seth and Roman without Dean or Mox, whatever you want to call him. You can't do it. So to ignore that part of our history and to just try to like put him aside and focus on Roman and Seth, you know, the focus was Roman and Seth. That was the story, but he's, he's a part of that. And so to just ignore that and completely pretend he didn't exist is just silly. So, um, you know, I, I referred to him by the name that he prefers to go by. And so that's where we're at with that. But I got, I heard nothing, nothing in response to it backstage at all. I would assume, you know, obviously online fans are different from, you know, maybe the typical wrestling fan and how serious they take. And obviously there's this big whole thing with, you know, WWE, AEW and, um, you know, Cody Rhodes left AEW. He's supposedly in WWE. CM Punk has mentioned WWE performers during promos, Cena and Miz. As a, as a superstar in the WWE, do you think you guys should be going at it during promos and mentioning the other promotion? Or do you think don't acknowledge the other promotion because it does seem like if you just, I don't know if this is considered a bad thing backstage with other, with the boys, quote unquote, but like, if you want to get into that intention, go mention AW on WWE TV. If you want, I mean, is that a bad thing or what's your philosophy on that? Yeah. To me, it's one of those things where I think if it's very useful, uh, it's fine. Like to me, the, the references you spoke of just now are two kind of different things, right? I didn't use the reference to Mox to talk down to somebody. I wasn't trying to diminish anybody's accomplishments or saying you're, it wasn't like that. It was, he's a part of our story. Uh, Roman wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for him and I, the, the other side of that coin is the way that it can be used uh, by those guys. And look, they can do whatever they want. I find it very tacky and very lowbrow personally. I think that it's, it looks and reeks of desperation. Um, and I just don't think it's anything on our television show that we need to go there and talk down about those guys. They're doing their thing. They're doing it very well. We're very happy for them. I am at least personally. Um, are they on our level? No, they've got a long way to go to catch up to us. And that's fine. And they know that. Um, and I think they do things differently, but for me, my perspective, it's, it's just a little, I think it's just a step down for us to kind of use it as an insult. And so that's my perspective on it, but, um, people may not share that opinion. No, I have a feeling that'll be the comment that gets a lot of attention. And every time you come on, you give me one <laughs> comment that gets a lot of attention. So. Uh, somebody's going to look for a, a hot take. There's, yeah, for there's sure. a semi hot take. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's interesting that I we're doing this like I said late Monday afternoon the biggest story in the entire world right now is Will Smith and and Chris Rock this will come out Wednesday hopefully it'll still have some legs now here's what's interesting about it from my perspective having you on you had an incident in the in recent months where a fan came out of nowhere and and I and I and I always find that funny too that it's called a fan because obviously the person's not a fan if they're doing that um and for me, someone who saw the Will Smith thing last night and someone who's a wrestling fan and a fan of yours who followed that incident, and then someone who covers sort of media and, and sort of lives in this online world, 
it's fascinating to see when things like this happen, how nobody thinks it's real. Nothing's real anymore. Everything gets quite <laughs> like no one thought that fan, you know, someone, they, a lot of people didn't think what happened to you was real. They didn't think that they thought the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing was staged. So let me go th- to your incident first. Obviously we know that was a hundred percent real. Um, just take me through that and, and what that was like for you. And, and before, like during and after. Uh, I mean, it, during, I couldn't even, it was so fast. It was five seconds long. You know what I mean? Like I, I was just walking back. I had, I don't, I think I had just beat uh, Finn Balor in a match. Maybe had stomped him, laid him down and I was on the way back. And I, I distinctly remember thinking to myself, well, should I turn back and look at him or just walk straight out? Cause you know, it just depends on how I'm, I'm feeling. And uh, I was kind of in that mindset and I just see a figure in the back, but you couldn't tell it was a fan or that they were coming directly at me because our backdrop is just all black um, when it's not lit up. And there's always stage hands and pyro guys and people running back behind the cameras when they're not shot. So it wasn't anything that I was even thinking about. It wasn't even in the, my brain. You know, we have a great security team. And um, I was just like, never even crossed my mind until he was coming around our cameraman and he was within, you know, two feet of me. And then I just tried to brace as best I could. There was not, there was no moving because he was, he was hauling. That boy was hauling, man. He was flying and he hit me and we went down. And, uh, you know, my first instinct was just to defend myself as best I could without uh, throwing any punches. And I didn't really know what had happened. Uh, and before it was, it even, you know, one, two, three to make sure I was fine. And he wasn't throwing any punches or anything. Uh, I didn't have any weapons, thankfully. Um, <laughs> you know, our, our referees were there and then security was on top of it. And we, you know, they were pulling him off and he had had a handful of my hair and I was able to kind of pry him loose of that. But after that, I mean, that was it. It's not my responsibility to take care of those things. And uh, right, like, I certainly wasn't going to take a shot at a defenseless man. He's being held back by a bunch of people. And to his credit, again, he didn't have a weapon and he didn't strike me in any capacity. So I didn't feel the need for anything retaliatory at that point. Um, I was mostly just startled and uh, bewildered, you know, was the only yeah. thing. It was just, whoa, what, what even just happened right there? I've had a few fan incidents in the past, but nobody has – full speed charged at me like that you know if they're getting in the ring it's different yeah. you can see what's happening but this was just way out of left field and had no time to react so i thought i handled it pretty well you know everybody had their hot takes on how i should have handled it or what i should have done oh uh, right i saw yeah i saw that some people yeah. were like why didn't you kick the shit out of the guy like, why didn't you kick the yeah, shit out yeah, of them yeah. you know why didn't you see him coming i'm like dude right. you know I think like people, well, if he would have come at me, I would have, I'm dude, you, I'm telling right. you, you don't know till you're there. You love to right. be a tough guy when you're typing on your keyboard or on a microphone, but you just never know the situation right. until it's at your front door. And now, so. is, it, is that a thing for you at all? Then when you get backstage and it's over and, and you've come down from it, is it a thing where you're like, oh, now we got to convince people that this was not a work in any way, shape or form? I mean, you know, I figured I, I didn't. I figured it would figure itself out. I wasn't okay. even concerned with that. I was just glad I was safe and that it didn't end up worse than it was. And the guy who's clearly mentally not stable. I mean, if right. you if you if you we followed up on it obviously a little bit and, and kind of what his motivations were and if you saw any of that stuff. Right. Yeah, I just was glad that 
he wasn't hurt in any way because he, you know, he needs help. He needs, he needs real help yeah. like mentally to understand kind of the, the difference and what's right. real. Not. On, a, on a lighter note, give me sort of your review of Will Smith's open hand slap. <laughs> give me like the technique, good form. Could he get in a WWE <laughs> ring with you? What do we got? Dude, the, the slap was, uh, it was well-placed one way or the other. You know, he made it sound like he made a little contact, not too much contact. I think the message was, was, uh, delivered properly without, um, uh, you know, too much violence behind it. Um, you know, clearly, clearly he was offended um, to the point that he felt like he needed to step in. You know, people are like, oh, you don't have any right. You don't have any right. I, I, I know I agree. Two wrongs don't make a right. But I mean, I know if you caught me at the wrong time on the wrong day with the wrong joke about my wife, there's i might have slapped you too you know it's just one of those things two wrongs certainly don't make it right i'm in no way condoning striking another person based off a joke but i could see how it would happen is my point well the only thing see i could see it would happen if they were maybe in a different setting but like you're on live tv that might not be the place to walk up to the stage and you know yeah i I mean and i don't know their whole history i don't know the whole I didn't follow it enough. hundred percent. It was like a very much a premeditated. He had many, many moments where he could have gone like, yeah, maybe I should just sit back down before this gets out of hand. It it was amazing how there were so many great wrestling themed tweets about, you know, someone said something like this isn't that big of a deal. Stone cold once beat up doing the clown at the slammies. (laughs) <laughs> and you know, everyone was like, you know, Vince right now is frantically trying to book Will Smith and Chris Rock for this weekend. Um, yeah, hey, I, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. We'll see when I'm standing in the ring what it looks like. I mean, if uh, getting jiggy with it hits, I know the I be- just got the best tweet wrestling theme that I saw about it was from Jerry the King Lawler, who said, "Me and Andy Kaufman did this shit 35 years ago." <laughs> Unfortunately, you got to be a little older like me to fully appreciate it and get it. But I thought that was a brilliant, oh, brilliant beautiful. tweet. No, I am a I am a lover of all things Andy Kaufman. So yeah, I think yeah. that's great. That's yeah. tremendous. Uh, if they're on that level, if, if if Rock and Smith are on that Andy Kaufman level, then this is some genius business yes. right here. Yes. time will tell. We'll see how it goes. Um, I want to ask you before we wrap, before we uh, we'll we'll close with some WrestleMania plugs on WWE Network, April second, April third, Saturday, Sunday, WrestleMania thirty eight. Seth Rollins against Big Question Mark. Uh, I had your wife, Becky, on the podcast a couple of months ago. She was great. I, I really enjoy talking to her. She's obviously going to be at WrestleMania playing a huge part in it. Um, and you guys are new parents. And I just want, you know, I asked her, I want to ask you just, you know, balancing the work and fatherhood life and, and being able to spend time with your kid while still being a top superstar in WWE. How you how you managing all that? Man, we are in one of the most fortunate positions on the earth as parents because we are in a position where we can travel with our daughter every single week and be with her every single day and take her on the road take me she went to saudi arabia with us twice you know she's been to europe with us twice um she goes everywhere we go and we get to be with her and we're fortunate enough to be able to have uh the accommodations to do that and not not you know, other families don't get that opportunity. You know, it's, they got to send their kids to daycare or what have you. And so 
I feel extremely fortunate that we get the privilege to do that and to be parents and to be present parents and not have to, um, you know, have to work and, and, and we get to do it both. And that's just so cool to me. And I will never take that for granted. I think that, yeah, it's hard. But being a parent is hard. It doesn't matter if you get to do what we do or have to do what we do. Um, it isn't if you're at home, if you're working, if you're not working. It's just it's tough being a parent, man. It's it's yeah. a beautiful thing, but it's a difficult thing. And I never understood it firsthand. Obviously, it's my first child. But these moms, dude, these moms are on another level. Shout out to my mom because <laughs> I I gave her hell as a kid, and I and I, and I can't imagine you know, just what she had to go through supporting me and not having the help, man. We have, we have so many people around us that help out, but yeah. dude, these moms are incredible. Shout out to them. Cause these moms are nuts. We, we dads. Yeah. We got it tough, but the moms dude, I'm telling you, I all love for the moms. When, now when you're at an event um, and you're in the ring, you know, if Becky's is, 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 I would assume like, the baby is just a hit with every WWE superstar, just making basically taking turns getting to see who who gets to hang with the baby backstage. Yeah, she, she's a star. She hangs yeah. out backstage. She roams around, shaking hands, giving high five. She's got her ultimate warrior down on the bottom rope. If we get her in the <laughs> ring, yeah, it's it's good yeah. stuff, man. I mean, she's a celebrity backstage. I think people look forward to seeing her more than us. She just brightens everybody's day up. She's like a little mascot at this point, you know. I got to ask, since you mentioned it, like how bad were you as a kid? Were there, were there any good stories, any good incidents? Did you have that with the cops ever called or anything like that? So I was never like a huge partier as a kid. I was super straight edge as a teenager. So I was like, I was like, nah, no parties, none of that crap, no drinking, no drugs. So I saved my mom a lot of headache when it came to, you know, that kind of thing. I was never out late doing too many stuff, things like that, but I was very independent. So I wanted to do everything on my own, like, drive to you know a concert four hours away you know when i didn't have permission type thing that, right, that was right. a big one i remember uh there was a show i really wanted to see in milwaukee which is about a four-hour drive for me and she was like no absolutely not you are too young to be going out staying out that late and driving home that late and i was like sure sure and my parents were divorced so i was at my dad's on the weekend i'm like she'll never know I'll just head out, party, come back. It'll be great. Yeah, that, that didn't go well. How'd so, you find out? Uh, my dad ratted on oh, me, man. There you go. I told him, I because I, I we were staying at his place, so yeah, yeah. I was still halfway responsible. I was like, hey, dad, we're going to go do this thing. Yeah, we'll be back later. And my dad was, he was chill about it, but he was like, right. eh, yeah. something were to happen. And they don't, you know what I mean? And then yeah, yeah. he finds out that way and it's, oh, it, it would have been, he'd have been in hot water. So he was like, uh, yeah, I had to tell her. Like, so let me, let's, let's stick with this team, this theme of you as a kid. I'm curious. We mentioned WrestleMania 31, your ultimate Seth freaking Rollins WrestleMania moment. As mm -hmm. a kid, before you became a WWE superstar, your favorite WrestleMania moment. Favorite moment. Oh man. Or match or, you know, any, anything, you know, oh. I mean, man, my favorite moment, I think the one, there's two that really impacted me, I think, substantially. I got it. it there's so many, so many in eras. But I think the one that really hit me was actually Jeff Hardy. Um, the first time he did the swanton bomb off the giant ladder. So yeah. this is WrestleMania 2000, the first triple threat, uh, like tables, ladders, and chairs match. But it wasn't branded TLC yet. It was still like triple threat ladder match, I think, with the Dudley's Edge and Christian and... Um, and the Hardys and 
Jeff pulled out the giant ladder and did the senton off the top of it through the table through uh, Bubba, I think. And I just remember, like, I was just at the age where I was trying to decide what I wanted to do. So I would have been like 14, 15. And I was like, that's it, man. I can do that. You know, I may not be able to be Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels. I certainly can't be Hulk Hogan and warrior. I'm not that big, but I can do that. Like I can be a daredevil, you know, I can be wild. And so that, that really pushed me to want to, all right, I'm going to buy a home gym. I'm going to work out weights in my basement. I'm going to do every, I'm going to take acting classes. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I can go go be a pro wrestler when I'm 18 years old. And so that's kind of like the, the real moment that, that pushed me into yeah. what you see today. Yeah, that's it. Was, was, I'm trying to remember, Edge doing the spear off the ladder on one of the Hardys, was that a WrestleMania? I don't think that was yeah, a WrestleMania. Yeah, oh, well, was, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was 17, man. That was special too. But I was yeah. already, I was already hook, line, and sinker by that right, point. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, mean, I remember that, that, that being like the coolest spot I've ever seen. It's, dude, it's up there. I mean, yeah. it's it's a special moment as well. Like, I, they don't get no bigger than that. The timing so, is perfect. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Um, so big moment, WrestleMania 38, this Saturday, Sunday, April 2nd, April 3rd in Jerry world in Dallas, Seth freaking Rollins versus TBD question mark. Now, even though you don't know who the opponent is, we're taping this on Monday. We're six days. Do you know the drip for, because you can't go in there with regular drip. Now you got to go over the top. I do have everything. Everything. Seth Rollins will be over the top. Come come saturday or sunday at wrestlemania yeah we've we've uh the, the team's ready we've got we've got a plan in place so things are gonna look look real good for for seth freaking rollins out there in dallas i would not disappoint when it came to the yeah. drip absolutely wrestlemania I, you look at my past wrestlemania drips they're all quite special as well so oh yeah we're gonna yeah. we're gonna add to that list this time right wrestlemania you can't like just come up with drip two days beforehand it's got to be planned out it's got to be yeah it's definitely yeah. a pre-planned months in advance type drip although again now we go all the way back to the beginning of this conversation i tell you it's been hell trying to get myself on wrestlemania not just on raw monday nights but backstage as well and so i've had a lot of you know ups and right. downs when it comes to what i was gonna do so it's it's been hell man but do we, you we, got a, some, we got something good do you have a preference being on raw or smackdown uh i mean i think a three-hour show is just obnoxiously long every week it's just everything gets stretched out you know and you've got to cramp i mean you got to fill three hours of television there's just nothing to be done you know that's just how it is yeah. so i think two hours is a beautiful kind of number for a pro wrestling show and i think it's easier to um make everything mean a little bit more you know on smackdown when i was there last year i hardly ever wrestled on television and so it was kind of a big deal you look at roman he hardly ever wrestles on television right. you know i think maybe like a handful of times in the last year and so when he has matches at these pay-per-views they feel like big deals um and on raw i'm i've wrestled in like 26 five-star matches in the last two months you know it just it's just been wild the amount yeah. of you know actual wrestling that i have to do and i'd love to avoid that but it is what it is i like the uh, the fact that i get a lot more screen time on mondays because you have the extra hour but yeah it's it's a it's an apples to oranges type thing i do think three hours is just a lot to ask every week of a viewer all right well we'll, we'll be looking forward to seeing who comes out on Saturday or Sunday to face it, even though it is, it's all about Seth freaking Rollins. It's really my moment, about. baby. Right. My, it's I really, am the moment. Let's yeah. not forget that. I am the moment. Whoever comes out, 
whatever it looks like, however it feels, it's going to be special because I'm in the ring. Exactly. And I'm, I'm there for the drip. That that's what I'm, I mean, I don't even, I shouldn't even admit this publicly, but I do DM you on Instagram when I, when I see that drip, that's especially awesome. I, and he it, does it cracks he does. me up. It cracks he slides me up. In the DMs and he's yeah. very pleased with himself. It's, it's so good with the drip. It's 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 one of the greatest like little gimmick things I've ever seen. It, man, you got to remember this is fun. We got to yeah. have fun sometimes. Exactly. Well, so when they, when I see people on Twitter being like, "That looks ridiculous," I'm like, "You're an asshole. You don't get this. You don't get <laughs> it's this." Fun. It's, yeah. It's got to be. We got to smile, man. We've had two years in a pandemic where we've been miserable. Like we're about to jump into yeah. another war. Like things are crazy. This is pro wrestling. Let's have fun. You guys were always sort of ahead of the curve with having fans back and doing and but like here, I mean, I'm here in New York where it's been like now I'd say a month, three weeks where we feel like COVID's over. Like you don't want to say it because of a jinx, but the mandates yeah. were lifted and we got no. And um, have you noticed anything different? Anything different the last few weeks at shows or uh, live events? Anything like that with like the pandemic fully in the rearview mirror and stuff like that with the live crowds? I mean, I think there's just a little bit of hope, you know, everybody like, especially in the, like we were in Toronto this past weekend, did some shows there for the first time. And since we've been, you know, uh, back touring live. And so we had to cancel some in December because, uh, you know, the Omicron had popped up and everybody was getting sick again. And it was like, you know, just to be there and have that, it was a very cathartic feeling for these people for the first time in Ontario, getting the opportunity to come and do this again. So I just think that's kind of the, the general vibe that I've been sensing. It's just this, it, when you get out there for the first time and really just get to let everything go, whether it's a concert or WWE, you get this this catharsis, like, yes, this is life. This is life, we get to live it again. And so uh, there's just a, a hope and a feeling that not only is, is there a light at the end of the tunnel, but we're like, we're opening up the door, you right, know, we're right. there. And again, like you said, you know, let's knock on wood and hope that that's the case. But uh, it's been I'm, it's been very nice. You really could not have said it. You, you really hit the perfect word for it, cathartic. I, I went to my first concert a, a couple of weeks ago, and that that is the word I would use. It, it, it was weird at first, but that you hit the perfect word for it. It was cathartic. That that really, I could see that for especially WWE, which is a fun event, and it's you know so great the interaction with the fans. That 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 would be a great first thing for people to go to. You know, post pandemic, if you're ready to jump back into something with a crowd. Oh, it's a party, man. Yeah. It's a good time. If you can make it out to WWE Live, it's the TV shows are one thing. Raw and SmackDown are a lot of fun, but the live experience, even just the people yeah. watching, man, is a blast. So if you're listening and you haven't done it, check it out, dude. It's such a good time. And we will be watching this weekend, Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, April 2nd, April 3rd, WWE Network on Peacock, WrestleMania 38, Seth freaking Rollins. Thanks, Seth. Appreciate it. Thank you. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander, with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer, check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All right, joining me now for our weekly Train of Thoughts segment from WFN Radio in New York, as in YTV in New York, Sal Licata. Sal, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Hanging in there? <laughs> yeah, barely. All right. You should be happy. Baseball's coming. That's your sport. I can't wait. I mean, I'm, I don't want to say I'm struggling to the finish line, but it's been, I've been dying for it to happen. Just get yeah. me to the games already. The extra week is... It's a little annoying, but yes, I'm very excited for the start of baseball. Thursday, it also a week from this Thursday. Thursday, it'll uh, Scherzer and Degrom. You should be pumped up. Yeah, I just saw the Scherzer first start is on Apple TV. Did you see that Friday night? Oh, we night. talked about that last week. Yeah. Oh, I, so, the anarchy. Yes. Let every, oh, yeah, gonna people be so are going to be people in New York are going to be livid because Scherzer, his first start against right. the Nationals, no less, right. on Apple TV. And then I have a question that just hit me today. Because I'll be driving home from work. The game starts at seven. Like, how do I DVR Apple TV games? You can't. So, so that's ridiculous. What do you mean I can't? How do I? There's got to be a way to. Is it going to be archived? Like, how do I go back and watch a game that's going to be streamed? I mean, maybe Apple. You go on Apple TV and you can watch an archived version. But I don't know what that. I haven't. Only because I'm not normally a big DVR sports. You're hosting a show. Yeah. Well, I, it shows his first start. I want to mm-hmm. see that. I can listen to it on the radio on the way home, I, but I want to see it. And then I'm like, oh, crap. Well, how am I supposed to do that if the game's on Apple TV? You're not going to like put your iPad on and have it on while you're driving home from Manhattan, are you? Uh, do no. Would it work oh, okay. even? I mean, I got to have oh, yeah. Wi-Fi. There's no work. Wi-Fi. You, know. you don't need Wi-Fi. If you have even a, if, if I you... took the train. Like, is there, There's no Wi-Fi on the LIRR. But, you, don't need do wi- is you, but is, you don't pay for data on your iPad? Hell no. Oh, yeah. No. Then you're screwed. You're screwed. Yeah. You're completely Maybe screwed. Maybe my phone. I guess I could have it up on my phone, possibly. I feel bad for the 50-year-old man or woman who's not technologically savvy and discovers on that night 
that Max Scherzer is making his first start of the Mets and it's on Apple TV and they have no <laughs> idea what to do. That's who I feel bad for. And people are so, you know, I had tweeted something last week about, I think it was when they finally made the, the decision, the, the hiring of Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet official for Thursday Night Football on Amazon. And I tweeted that I can't wait for that first Thursday night of the NFL season when people realize it's Amazon only. Right. And the amount of assholes who respond to me saying every single person in America has Amazon Prime and, it, you know, who doesn't have Amazon? Like, could you be dumber? Like, could right. you possibly? And I actually got a, someone sent me a tweet saying, like, what channel is Amazon Prime on DirecTV? <laughs> So it's gonna so it's gonna happen now with Apple TV and the Met game and you know that um, you're right that's those are the people and we deal with it you know with our parents or whatever it's right. an impossibility so and right. that's a, a lot of my a lot of my callers on the overnight show you know probably sixty and over they're gonna be ticked off they can't find it they don't know the app they don't have the streaming it's just it's an inconvenience is what it is right. not as big for you or I but even not being able to tape a game or DVR game which people have become accustomed to I do think that's a problem as well I never tape I never DVR a sporting event. Yeah. Never. Yeah, um, I usually don't. I just feel like a lot of people do. And now with a wife and kid, I started to think about it a little bit more. Maybe I who's to say I couldn't, let's say, DVR. I know you're gonna get nuts with me for this one, but let's just say the Giants game, DVR the Giants at one o'clock on a Sunday and maybe go out Apple picking for once in my life in October as opposed yeah, to Yeah, you being, can do that, but you have to stay off your phone and you're addicted to your phone. So how are you gonna do that? Or you're saying well, because I know the result anyway. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I don't know. If you're out Apple picking, okay and contemplating how you can get out of apple picking and thinking about running in front of a moving bus. <laughs> and you see that the Giants are up 24 nothing, are you going to then go home and watch the game on DVR? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to. You have I to mean, stay off your phone and you can't do that for more than 30 seconds. Yeah. I'm thinking about getting a flip phone, a whole other topic. I want to detach from the smartphone, but I don't think right. it would be I'm even not possible engaging to in this ridiculous conversation. Yeah. You're not yeah. getting a, you're not getting rid of your iPhone. You this is pure nonsense. I'm not even going to get it. Yeah. You work on radio and TV. You're not going to have an iPhone. Okay. I know. It, well, the point is, even if I want to, I don't think that I could, right? It's an, how could anybody survive in business today without you can't. it? Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I would love to see you too with a flip phone. The first time you got to send a text message and you got to hit the button four <laughs> times to get the E. You'll, you'll throw it. Remember all those famous scenes in the, in the, in the famous Sopranos episode, Pine Barrens, when Paulie and Christopher are stuck in the woods and they keep trying to call Tony and the phones keep cutting out and Tony's always throwing the flip phone. It's this yeah, fucking it's funny. He's throwing it. Not even you once you have to send the text. So let's not even engage in this ridiculous conversation. Doing the overnights on the fan this week. Did you get a lot of Will Smith, Chris Rock calls? I was on my first show of the week is like Monday morning, 2 a.m. So it's really Sunday night. So I led. Now, I personally, I wanted to do it for a while and I led with it. And it kind of mixed it in with the NCAA Final Four. Uh, I did not get a lot of calls. I got some, but I did not get as many as I thought. And yesterday, so Monday night, I was talking to somebody in the hallways at CBS Sports Radio, you know, show that you've done before, filling in on, on the network there. And he's like, oh, the slap heard around the wo world, wall to wall. So local, it doesn't play as much. Right, but right. nationally, CBS Sports Radio, he said that's all they were doing. That makes sense. That makes sense. Will Smith needs help. Um the speech was worse than the slap. I don't understand how people don't like go watch that speech. That's not a well individual, but whatever. Um, I We have not read Apple reviews in a while, and there's been some interesting ones. 
lately that we need to get into. So I'm going to read some Apple reviews right now. Transition okay. to that. Um, I'm going to go backwards with the most recent, but there's a couple here we got to get into. You're mentioned, of course. But <laughs> I'm going to start with one here. This came last Thursday from a guy who just left gibberish as his name, a bunch of letters. Great podcast. If you're interested in the media side of sports, love the guests. Got a lot of great info out of Troy Aikman last week. Okay, perfect. Nice. Now, this is Guy2318, and this is lengthy, so bear with me, but I'm going to... Okay. We'll get into it. I first got introduced to Jimmy when he was a guest on this podcast feed when it was hosted by Richard Deitch. Honestly, my first impression wasn't great, as he always seemed to have a contrarian takes just for the sake of having them and to be a foil in Richard's side. Now, let me That's not that true, thing. though. I don't have contrarian takes to be contrarian. I, I promise you that. Right. I don't make up takes. Sal can attest to that. Right. I may say some crazy shit, but that's what I believe. But, but you believe it. I, I, sometimes I get yeah. the same thing. It drives me And nuts. the flip side of that is I will... At, there's few things I enjoy m more than busting Richard Deitch's balls, so I can see where he <laughs> may come away with that take. But I'm not making up the takes. Okay. When Richard left SI and Jimmy took over the podcast, I almost unsubscribed but decided to give him a chance because his shtick, even if annoying at times, was still entertaining. Now, I take issue with shtick. I'm not. Yeah, doing, what is I, your shtick? I don't know. I don't know. But I will say this. I don't understand how you can be annoying and entertaining at the same time. That's a, that's a mm. little tough for me to swallow, but okay. But at least he didn't unsubscribe. So. However, over the past couple of years, I can say I have taken a complete 180 on my initial impression and genuinely enjoy Jimmy and feel he's improved as a podcast host since he started. Thank you. I appreciate that. The guest selection, especially the past six months, has been outstanding, and I find myself listening even for guest topics I really have no personal interest in. I'm glad I didn't unsubscribe and look forward to listening going forward. The new Train of Thought segment with Sal also is a good addition to the podcast as well. So how that, about that? The guy turned around on Isn't that, that a nice is, story? That's about as perfect a review well, as let's not get. get crazy. The guy's shtick and I'm no, annoying. but, but who cares? Who cares about that? The point is, he's listening every week. He gave you a chance, and now all of a sudden, he likes you. At first, where maybe he was annoyed, and plus, he threw in a nice little he likes Sal uh, as no. well. So, I mean, now, I think that, that that was perfect. I'll give you the flip side of that review from Charlie3GC, just a complete dope of epic proportions. <laughs> Jimmy seems like a very nice person. I just called the guy dope. Jimmy seems like a very nice person. I just don't get the focus on the importance of national broadcasters. I've never once heard someone say they watched an event or not because of the broadcasters. Never. Okay. You said two things there. You don't think that anyone has watched the game because of the broadcasters. Fine. I have no issue with that take. You don't get the focus on the importance of national broadcasters. It's the sports illustrated media podcast. What would you like me to do? It's a national outlet that covers media. What do you expect? So he, this guy going to McDonald's and say, why do you sell fries? I mean, what do you want me to do? I think he, I think he wants more wrestlers. I mean, what, what, are, you, what are you supposed to do? Right? I don't know. And by the way, it's topical. You get a lot of the topical guests. Those are big name guests that other podcasts don't get. You know, Aikman, for example, that's a huge get right there, at the, especially at the time. Sorry I interview national broadcasters on the SI Media Podcast. Yeah. Last review I'm going to read here from Big Mike 579. Always enjoy the podcast. Jimmy does a good job with the interviews and seems to always get great guests. I enjoy the train of thought segments with Sal. Oh, all right. Especially the Calvin Ridley discussion that we had a couple of weeks ago. And, wait for it, wait for it, agree 100% with Jimmy. 
Oh, it wasn't God. a big deal. Now, if you'll unblock me on Twitter, I promise not to bust you regarding wrestling again. Now, I have no idea who this person is. You blocked unblo- them? Well, I don't. Okay, so on Apple, it just says Big Mike 579. I don't know if that's his Twitter name. I don't know. Now, he's saying here I blocked him. He says not to bust me regarding wrestling again. So I, maybe he was sending me tweets saying like not to have wrestlers on the podcast and I blocked him. I wouldn't block for that unless he was like relentless. I'm not sure. So if, if Big Mike 579 is listening to this, you're going to have to email me if you're blocked on Twitter. So just email me, jimmy.train at si.com. Let me know what the situation, your Twitter name, and I'll see what the story is here. So, But I give this guy credit. This, now see, I give him credit more than the other guy. This guy is blocked by me on Twitter and still listens to the podcast. That shows me he's a, he's a big individual. That, that to me, shows, shows something there. Well, sometimes people understand that you know they, they say things without really thinking it through, and then they get blocked, and it's like, oh, I, I probably went too far. Maybe I should have done that. So good for also, him. Also, you know, you catch the right mood on it uh, for a block. You know, if some if I'm annoyed already, then correct. You tweet about don't have this person on the. See, I'd rather if you, I'd rather you not listen to the podcast than tell me who to not have on the podcast because I'm going to have on who I want to have on. Oh my God, it is. I, I keep this this one guy calls my show overnight show, and he tells me how I should talk to the callers and this how I should, what's that? Ban him. Yeah, I know, no, I, I probably should have, but I got into it with him a week ago and then he called again last night and he does the same thing. And I'm like, who do you think you are telling me? I, you're not my father, I don't wanna hear you tell me what to do so I can understand where somebody's telling hey, don't do this or don't, it drives me up a freaking wall. I'll do what I, don't I wanna do. I how you do. deal with those callers on a nightly basis. Oh my God! I yelled at them and call them idiots and morons, and then that's what the guy had a problem with. Oh, well, you uh, shouldn't uh, call them idiots and morons. Uh, you know what? If they're if you're acting like an idiot, I can't help it. At some point, you're gonna get uh, you know. Mm. You just called the guy a dope. What do you want to say? Dope is better. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, um, have you ever been to transitioning here? Tom's restaurant. In Manhattan, where they film the outside of the Seinfeld with the di- with the scenes from Monks, the diner they always ate in. Yes, a few times actually. Okay. I saw your Instagram. Have you been there prior to your post? No, that was the first time. I I think I I think I walked past it one day many many years ago. Never took a. It was probably before iPhone, so I never took a picture. But I went there Saturday, took the picture because you have to take the picture with the Seinfeld diner mm-hmm. in the background. Made the mistake of eating there, which was. Atrocious Terrible. on every level. Yeah. <laughs> but I should have just taken the selfie and gone to Joe's Pizza. So, But instead, I ate there, which was a mistake. But the picture, I was happy I got the picture there. Like, if you're in Manhattan. It's a classic pick. You, no, it's a classic pick. You have to do it. But you're right. I was going to say, don't eat in there. I think yeah, I one wish time I, yeah. of the two, I went and, and, and ate Huge there. Mistake. But I will say... I mean, you're in that place and the signs outside and all I, I what I post on Instagram is I all I can think about is that episode when George orders the opposite yeah. instead of tuna, <laughs> instead of tuna and whatever he gets chicken salad on to, the, the way he del- and then he goes the way he finished it. He's like, instead of tuna, there he goes, I'll have chicken salad on the on rye with and he goes and a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so great yeah. and you're right the walking up to it just seeing it from the outside in person it's oh, that's yeah, yeah, a really yeah. cool yeah exactly last thing wrestlemania is this weekend two nights saturday and sunday will you tune in at all seth rollins is on that was on this podcast as listeners know here's my issue with it number one oh it doesn't even matter that i'm into the current storylines or not but i'm not i haven't been usually right. though I'll, I'll even check out wrestlemania my right. big issue with it, and I've had, I've talked to Paul Heyman, I've talked to um, Drew McIntyre, and I asked them the same thing. Now they're going to obviously say that they like it, but it drives me nuts. I hate the two nights. I want oh, well, one I, night. 
so when I talked to Seth, as people will heard, Seth loves the two nights. He thought the it was getting to be like seven hours for one WrestleMania, and he thought it, you know the wrestlers couldn't take it. I, I but okay from their point of view, I guess uh, as somebody so a casual fan. Now I know right. the diehards you're gonna have whatever, but in this case, I am the casual fan. And for me, if it were Sunday night, seven o'clock to midnight, I, that's I'm more likely to go to that than I am Saturday and Sunday. So it's almost to me like they're doing it for either A, the diehard fans, or B, the fans who are going to the city and, and taking in the whole event from home. I want one night. It makes it more special. Or what they, I mean, I, I just, the, the biggest well, event some, of the year. I'll give you some good news. Unlike Max Scherzer's first start, you can go back and watch WrestleMania at any time. Right, whenever you um, want. Yeah. Now, where is it? So it's just on Peacock, right? That's the only way to watch it? P WWE Network on Peacock, yeah. Right. Now, will you be watching both nights live? Well, Saturday is the, is, you know, the final four. Right. But, you know, what, I, what I'll do is I'll probably have it like going on my iPad or my laptop while I watch the final four on the big TV. Right. See, I like the maneuver. feel. I like the feel of a big event. I don't even remember. Actually, last year. yeah, Saturday though, I want to go out to watch those games, so I might not watch WrestleMania on Saturday. Well, that's kind well, of my I, point. Sunday. I'll watch it. I'll, Sunday, I'll have it on the iPad because Sunday night you're home. You, you know, you you you're annoyed that you got to work the next day, so you you're locked in on Sunday night. Right. It's the Saturday night that bothers me because right. Sunday you're you, you know all right whatever. Yeah, late at if night, I go can... out to watch the games, I won't watch WrestleMania, and if I'm home watching the games, then I'll. I'll I'll put it on the iPad or something. Yeah. Oh. All right. Good chat with you. Hang in there. Baseball's almost here. And, Can't wait. Uh, I, 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 I will be, I am going to pull tweets from Mets fans who can't watch that game on Apple TV and we will read them on the podcast when that happens. Oh, it's, I guarantee it's starting, starting already right now. As Can't we speak. wait. That'll be fun. All right, Sal, take it easy. All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. All right, my thanks to Greg Gumbel, Seth Rollins, Salicata for joining me on this week's episode of the SI Media Podcast. If you missed any past episodes, dip into the archives, check them out. Trey Aikman on last week gave us his first national interview since leaving Fox for ESPN, and Troy was brutally honest, and it was a great conversation, so check that out. Subscribe to the pod if you're not a SI Media Podcast subscriber. Helps tremendously. Rate and review if you can on Apple. And uh, again, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Helps a lot. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Stay safe and take care. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals. It's not about being the best in the world. It's about doing what's best for the world. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. 
From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.